what a blessing it is that we get the children. said in the first service, if only you got to see what I get to see when they go out. Um, we, we come back to Luke chapter 2. We're going to continue in a passage that we began last week. We'll pick up in verse 8, uh, reading 8 through 20. If you were with us last week, you'll recall that I said something that may have caught you by surprise when I spoke of the ordinariness of Jesus' birth. Now, what I meant by that was that Jesus was born as a baby, and it wasn't easy for me to say that births are ordinary, but it was an ordinary birth, and it reinforced the fact that Jesus was fully man. But that wasn't the full story. You see, Jesus was fully man, and he is also fully God. And today we come to the rest of the story, and we see that in addition to the ordinariness of his birth, there was an extraordinary display of his glory. That We'll see today through the visit of the angel that it pointed to a greater glory, the glory of the Christ child. As we prepare to turn to this passage, let's turn in prayer first, asking the Lord to bless our, our time under his word. Would you bow with me? Father, what a, what a great gift that we have your word and that in your word you point us to Jesus and do so through such beautiful, powerful means. I pray that today we... We would hear your voice above all others. In Christ's name, amen. Friends, this is the word of God. It is all true. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the angels went away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> I 
this is our fourth Sunday of Advent, and so we're getting close. Christmas is right around the corner next Saturday. And so you are very likely uh, busy with the hustle and bustle of the the season. I, I heard tales of crazy traffic yesterday for some of you. Um, headed over to different parts of the south. Let me ask you, at this point in the season, are you almost numb by the activity of it all? You're almost numb to the familiarity of Christmas? If so, what will wake you up? All of us at at different times, we, we doze off into the numbness of daily life. Some of us stay there in the boredom of it all. We grow numb in, in our homes. We grow numb in the workplace. We maybe even grow numb in worship. And so what will it take to get our attention? A few years ago... Um, friend John Hogue and I went to a, an air show in Tuscaloosa. I, he and I were talking about it, and I think it was the last time they did that air show in Tuscaloosa. It was there on the airfield, and we were there with his dad uh, standing beside the airfield looking out at, uh, at one point, a group of World War II-era planes. And they were, they were doing their thing. They were, they were flying, doing some acrobat- acrobatics over the, over the airfield. It was, it was all interesting, but it's what you would expect. You go to an air show to see airplanes. And they, they sort of captured our attention out in front of us as we stood there beside the field looking up. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> screaming from behind was an F-35. You couldn't hear it until it got over you, and then all of a sudden, in a moment, everything was focused on this jet that got over the airfield, went vertical, jet screaming, the ground shaking, and our adrenaline pumping. We thought we were paying attention, and then everything changed. Our focus was lasered in on what was happening. It was an awesome and terrifying sight all at once. See, the World War II planes, they they were interesting. But something in a moment shattered the stillness of the day. It woke us up. It got our attention. That night, outside of Bethlehem, there was a group of unsuspecting shepherds doing what they did the night before and what they had done hundreds of nights before that. They were watching sheep. Imagine there was a certain amount of numbness in their work. (laughs) They did what they were expected to do, and they saw what they expected to see. It was all routine. Maybe for this group of shepherds, there was also a certain amount of numbness in their religion. You see, they were were Jewish shepherds, and, and they would have heard the prophecies that had been uttered long ago. Prophecies of the Messiah, 
one who would come and redeem them. Those words, they, they were a long, they, they, they'd, been, they'd been uttered a long time ago. And, and for these men, kind of going about the dailiness of, night, of, of life, they, they, they probably wouldn't have, have seemed all that relevant. Maybe wouldn't have seemed all that personal to them. They were just caught up in the same old routine. And then, all of a sudden, in a moment, in a flash of light, everything changed. It was the angel of the Lord. And in that moment, the night sky lit up with a brilliance that would have been blinding to them. It was the angel of the Lord. Not the type of angel that we imagine in our children's Christmas plays, but, but a warrior of light, strong and brilliant, radiating the glory of God. And in that moment, everything changed for the shepherds. They were awakened to fear. They did what always happened when an angel showed up. They must have hit the ground. Will it take to awaken you? Will it take to awaken us to the glory of God? God sent an angel to the shepherds that night. How does he reach us? Sometimes it's a sudden jolt. Maybe not a jet flying from behind us, but maybe it's a life event. Sometimes those life events come in the form of, of sudden tragedy. Sometimes those life events come in the form of sudden beauty. Sometimes they come in the form of, of a very personal face-to-face -face reality with our own sin. But mostly, our God gets our attention through His still, small voice. Through his word, as he nudges us, as he awakens us to the good, true, and beautiful truth of his word. Will we listen? This week, as I've studied, once again, an old familiar passage, just like last week, he was awakening me to three words. He did so again this week with four unto you. How is the Lord stirring you right now? At night, so many years ago, God got the attention of a group of lowly shepherds, and he did so with his ambassador. His ambassador, the angel of the Lord, who spoke the word of God. God gets our attention today the same way with the same message. The angel first had to get the shepherds up. <laughs> Do not fear. But after telling the, the shepherds not to fear, the angel said, I bring you good news. When the text says, I bring you good news, it's, it's the verbal form of gospel. In other words, the, the angel is saying, I, I come here to gospelize you. <laughs> or maybe to evangelize you. That's 
what the angel is there to do. And understand that God in his, in his awesome grace and mercy through this angel is proclaiming to these shepherds the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. And don't let it be lost on you that the place where God starts with his proclamation of the gospel is among the lowest of the low. Among a group of ruffian shepherds out in the field doing their work. That's where God first brings this good news of Jesus. So the angel did just that. And his message had a content. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The, this content of the good news the angel speaks of is, is a person. The angel is, is pointing the shepherds to a person, a baby. But he identifies this baby with three very specific titles. Did you hear them? The angel first speaks of the baby as Savior. Savior is the one who will bring salvation to God's people. Now, in due time, Jesus would, would add clarity to the particular form that that salvation would take. A salvation from our sins. A salvation of reconciliation. But here, from the very beginning, the angel is making it clear that this child who is born is a Savior. Who will save God's people. It's the first title, but right on its heels, the angel describes this child as Christ. Christ is a title. It is Greek for the Hebrew word Messiah, the long-awaited one. One was promised from the very beginning by God to come and to redeem his people. This is the Messiah. This is the Christ. But There is a third title that the angel of the Lord assigns to this baby Lord. Lord, Lord is God. This baby resting in the manger in Bethlehem is, is God the Son. The second member of the Trinity, it is God incarnate, breaking into creation, manifesting God's glory in a particular time, in a particular place. Glory is, glory is weightiness. Think of... Uh, think, think of something that is very dense. Jesus was heavy. This baby was glorious. The Savior is Christ. He was Lord. That is the gospel message. It was the gospel message then. It is the gospel message now. Not some version of Christian moralism. Not some system of behavior that if we follow it, then we can be made right with the Lord. No. The gospel message then and now is the message of a Savior. One who has come to redeem us out of our sin. Just as he promised he would, God became man. And he did so to save his people from their sins and to establish peace 
with his beloved. That is, that is the content of the gospel. It is the content that the angel proclaimed to the lowly shepherds that night. But do not miss this. The angel then, and our God now, takes that message and personalizes it. For unto For unto you a child is born. For unto you a child is born. For unto you. This Jesus has come as a personal Savior. And the message of his birth is meant for us personally. At a particular time. In a particular place, the angel of the Lord spoke to particular shepherds. This Savior is for you. Our God, He is not willy-nilly. He's not careless with His message. He does not leave things to chance. He proclaims the message of personal salvation. Yes, broadly. Yes, to a collective people, but also to beloved individuals. And on this day, he's proclaiming it to you. Are you listening? Are you listening to the message? Well, There's more in this text. The angel speaks this message, but the angel authenticates it with a sign. When you hear something uh, that is just outlandish, something that is extravagant, what do you either think to yourself or what do you say out loud? Prove it. Prove it. And when that thing that is spoken is so outlandish and extravagant and it is also a gift, what do you think to yourself? That's just just too good to be true. So the angel offers a sign to prove it. The time had come when God had honored his promise. And the angel who spoke the truth of the gospel gave a sign to prove it. In essence, in verse 12, the angel is saying, go and see for yourself. This will be a sign for you. Uh, The Greek doesn't say a sign. The, The Greek says the sign. The difference is huge. Jesus is not one sign among many. Jesus is the sign. He is the sign of all signs. He has come. He has come. We have been talking about signs as we've been working our way through John's gospel. And you've heard me talk about those signs. Those signs were miracles. And we've talked about the purpose of those signs in John's gospel that he tells us. Those signs or those miracles that Jesus performed are are given to us in that gospel account so that we might believe that He, Jesus, is the Christ, the Son of God, and that 
by believing we may have life in his name. But here in Luke, the angel promises the sign. Not a miracle performed by Jesus, but Jesus himself. It's the gospel spoken and the promise shown. And then, as if on cue, the angelic host are there. Imagine in your mind a gospel chorus, but a gospel chorus unlike anything you've ever seen or heard before. The multitude of the heavenly hosts, the angel armies are there with this angel of the Lord, singing out glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Well, at that point... (laughs) The gospel spoken and the gospel sung and the promise shown. What do they, what do the shepherds do? They respond with haste. Verses 15 and 16, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby Lying in a manger. I think about this scene and I imagine in my, in my mind a cartoon scene with a group of characters who all of a sudden get up and they're in such a hurry that they're bouncing into each other before they can get off in a direction. And who's to blame them? Put yourself in their sandals. They have just seen the angel of the Lord. They have just heard This message spoken by the angel and the the night sky lit up with a brilliance that we can only imagine. If the messenger was that glorious, how much greater must be the glory of the one that messenger has spoken of? And so they went with haste. In other words, they went quickly and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby just as the angel had said. And they couldn't help but tell everyone what they had seen and heard. And then, and this is important, they went back. They went back to the field. Not dissatisfied with the glory that they had seen. No, quite the opposite. They went back with renewed purpose. They went back worshiping. And yet they went back to their vocation. They returned their normal lives in the context of worship. Think about this for a second. Everyone here has a vocation. Now, your vocation might be construction. Your vocation might be teaching. Your vocation might be learning. Vocation might be parenting. Your vocation might be business or or medicine. But everyone here has a calling. And yet, for many of us, the responsibility and duty of our vocation snuffs out a heart of worship. But with the shepherds, their worshipful hearts redeemed the duty, redeemed 
the responsibility. The shepherds went back to the sheep. Because do you remember what the angel had proclaimed? Peace on earth. Now, this peace on earth was not some form of, of escapism. It wasn't when you get to vacation, then you will experience peace. When you get a day off, you'll get peace. No, it was a peace that is a peace in the midst of. A peace that is in the midst of daily living. Because this peace is peace with God in Christ Jesus. The angel of the Lord that night by the hillside was not sending out happy thoughts and positive vibes. What do we hear in our world today when someone wants to send out positive vibes? There you go, have them. That's not the peace that this angel is talking about. No, this peace is a peace promised and secured by Jesus. Because this Jesus has come to earn our peace through his work of reconciliation, a work that is transformative in our lives, a work that transforms our hearts, thereby our status. Because by virtue of our sin, every person in this room at some point in our history has been an enemy of God. But if we are in Christ... The Spirit of God has taken the work of Jesus and, and applied it to us. And we who were enemies have become beloved sons and daughters of the King. We are His. And that transformative truth brings about a worshipful peace that we carry with us wherever we are, whenever we go. Do you? you know this peace? Are you living in it? Some of us are, praise the Lord, but some of us have never known it. Some of us perhaps may have forgotten it. Maybe we have forgotten it because we have grown numb to the glory of God. Earlier we talked about the still, small voice that is calling us out of our numbness. That still, small voice is the Holy Spirit. The still, small voice is the Spirit of the living God dwelling in the hearts of believers and drawing unbelievers out of their unbelief and into belief. And now... Remember the glory of the Lord that shone in the night sky around the angelic host. That radiance was a visible indicator of glory, a visible indicator of the weightiness of God that reflected off of his messengers. But you and I, if we are in Christ, we have a far greater glory dwelling in our hearts it is the Spirit of God living in us, speaking the same truth of the same Jesus, who is the Savior, Christ the Lord. 
And the Spirit of God dwelling in us is personalizing that message this day for you. Will you listen? James Spann has become a messenger of sorts for many of us here in Alabama, particularly when bad weather comes. (laughs) Because when the bad weather comes, day or night, James Spann breaks in onto our TV screen or into our phone app or whatever messaging information we use. James Spann breaks in to bring a message. And after 10 years of living in Alabama, I've come to recognize the pattern. You see, it starts out as a general watch. But then when a tornado or some weather event is sighted, the watch becomes a warning. And I'll confess that I pay attention to the watches and the warnings with some mild level of interest. But along the way, that warning takes the shape of the infamous polygon. (laughs) And we look on the TV screen and we see a specific area. And then at some point, James Spann reduces that polygon to an individual street an individual intersection on that street and he does so to warn me and to warn you it's as if through the tv screen he's speaking directly to me understand this james span personalizes the message in order to heighten my precaution The Spirit of the living God personalizes the message in order to heighten our peace. For unto you, the Savior is born. For unto you, for unto you, are you awake? Are you listening? Friends, like the shepherds, let's respond with haste. Let us receive and rest in the peace that has been given and secured by Jesus Christ. Father, this is the message that you spoke through your messenger so long ago. And it is the same message that you speak today through your word. You personalize it now as you did then. Give us hearts to hear and hearts to rest in our Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray.